Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week at the same time. We have been doing a series uh, out of the book of Ezra, Nehemiah, the books of restoration, and we are going to continue today again talking about the old gate. We've already done two programs on the old gate, and what we're doing is we're showing you how these 12 gates in the book of Nehemiah speak of something that I believe God wants to restore to the church in this hour of reformation and restoration as we move forward to arise and build has been the theme of this whole this whole uh, study in Nehemiah. Not necessarily building physical buildings, but building people, building bridges, building relationships, building ourselves up in the most holy faith, building up the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, building up the city of God and the temple of God, which speaks of a people. And each one of these gates speak of accessing something of the city. You know, one of the things that I think is in, uh, well, we'll talk about that as we get on into it, but when we get into Revelation, the 21st chapter, that the city had 12 foundations, and in them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. I, I don't know that, uh, it's almost frustrating to me that I've got to even point to this for people who've been in the things of God for any amount of time, but anybody with any kind of spiritual sense at all will have to know that those things that are being declared in the book of Revelation is not a physical city. It's a spiritual city. It's the bride, the lamb's wife. It is the community of faith that the scripture says that the city is built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being chief cornerstone. And when you see the names of the 12 apostles being built in the city in the foundation, that's not that they just got to write their name in the concrete when they got to heaven. It's talking about apostolic foundation. And one of the things that I believe that we are going back to take a look at with the old gate is that there are, we need to return to the apostles' doctrine. I think sometimes we have gotten so far away from the foundation and the cornerstone that we start to miss the mark. The church starts to veer off course, and then as it does, it becomes irrelevant. And the first thing you know, uh, we, we find ourselves in decline rather than restoration. But I believe from even the time of Luther, just a few hundred years ago, that God began to restore pieces of truth back to the church. The just will live by faith. And then we see down through history, uh, you know, uh, the different moves of God that have restored something back to us of the foundation uh, and that's what I'm thinking about when I'm thinking about the old gate. And, and, and let me just read the text, Nehemiah 3, verse 6 is more, but the old gate repaired Jehoiada, the son of Messiah, and Meshulam, the son of Basodai. They laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. They, this we've probably already done about, I don't know, we've done 30-some uh, programs on the books of Nehemiah and Ezra, and we're in probably somewhere around, I don't know, 12 or 15 on the gates, and we've probably dealt with about six of the 12 gates of Nehemiah. There's 12 gates in Nehemiah, there's 12 gates in Revelation chapter 12. All of these are powerful pictures 
of redemption. But what I want you to see is that there are some things that are restored. And, and when, when I think about the foundation, we talked about it a little bit last week when we talked about a man who builds his house on sand. When the rain comes and the floods descend, the house will collapse. But a house that's built on a solid foundation of the rock, the rock, Christ Jesus, will stand the storms and the wind. I believe if there's ever been a trying time in my generation for the church and for the people of God, it has been in this season. I don't know of another season when I've seen anything like this, when people have been tried on every level. And, uh, you know, that, that even mentally they, they are, are, uh, have been tried. Physically they've been tried. And I, I begin to talk about last week even a little bit how I think we have been uh, masters at taking care of people's spiritual well-being. And I think that's to be commended. But we are not only spirit, we are spirit, soul, and body. We're a trichotomy, a three-part being. I am a spirit, I have a soul, and I live in a body. And I think sometimes we take care of our spirit, and sometimes we don't even take care of our spirit. It just depends. But then, do we take care of our soul? Do we watch for our soul? You say, well, what's that mean? Well, when I think about watching for the soul, I think about your, the Greek word for soul is psyche, psychology, psychotic. It's your mind, your will, and your emotions. There's a lot of stuff I have in my spirit that my soul hadn't caught up with. I am transformed by the renewing of my mind. And sometimes my, it, it, you know, stinking thinking can be some of the biggest problems that we have. And I talked about last week that during the times of these feasts when Ezra and Nehemiah would call a solemn assembly in a fast day or a feast day, they would come to a fast first of all. It would be a time of afflicting the soul. In the new covenant, I don't think he's just talking about a fast from food. I think sometimes we need to fast by afflicting the soul, the thing between our ears, by turning off the news, by turning off Facebook. I, you probably figured out by, by now that, you know, if you turn, depends on which news media you turn on, they all have an agenda and they're all trying to, to play to uh, uh, ratings and what keeps you glued there so they can sell their products that are being sold. If you sit and listen to any news, you're going to get 15 minutes of news in a half hour and 15 minutes of commercial. And they're trying to keep you glued to that because they want to keep marketing to you. And I'm not saying you shouldn't watch the news, but if you sit and watch the news all day long or you just scroll through Facebook, it doesn't take you long to be vexed in your soul and you're frustrated and angry and mad and ready to fight everybody. And the truth of it is, perfect peace have they whose mind is stayed on him. I've dealt with pa pastors who are struggling with depression. Matter of fact, at times had to war with it my own self as I, you know, look at things and circumstances and, and you start trying to figure out how God is going to do this or how you're going to maintain the ministry or whatever, maintain people and people's lives they're going through. I think sometimes our mental health and our souls need to be cared for, and we need to watch for our souls. And as leaders, we need to watch for the souls of those whom God has given us charge over. And be careful even when we take the pulpit, not to sing, like I said last week, songs from the river of Babylon, but we sing from Zion, and we, sing th we, we declare things that will begin to build people up on their most holy faith, taking them back to the old gate and showing them the faithfulness of God. 
I think sometimes you can go back over your life and realize that even the struggles that you faced and you watch and you count your blessings, how many times God has been faithful. I think about my mother who passed away a few months ago. And, you know, before she passed, I was sitting in her uh, bedroom talking to her and she said she was reiterating the stories of the faithfulness of God and how God had kept her and my dad and our families even through times of great struggle financially and struggles in their marriage. But the faithfulness of God was there. And I want to tell you that sometimes I think we need to go back to the old gate. And we need to go back. I think, you know, as I've watched even several of the folks that I've known pass away this year and that are in their 80s, 90s, and even great leaders and preachers, and I could name some of them, but I'm not going to today because I don't want to leave anybody out, but generals in the faith. And we, I think we need to go back sometimes and look at some of the things that they taught us that were really good principles. You know, I'm thankful that my dad got up and and took us to church. My mom and dad took us to church. I'm glad they grounded us in the Word of God. I'm glad they taught us how to pray. Those are some things that I think are important. I think some of the most challenging things you can do or, or most effective things you can do for your family is to get out of bed on Sunday morning and take your family to church. You know, I think sometimes we criticize the church so much till uh, we've got a negative attitude towards it. And I think it's almost like criticizing the bride of Christ. If you've criticized your wife as much as we criticize the church, after a little while, you won't like her either. <laughs> and I think sometimes we've been guilty of what we don't believe in the church and what we don't like, that we don't we don't go back and find out what we do like. I think we need to go and find out what works, what doesn't work. I think in this season where everything is being challenged and tested and tried, it's time to go back and see what worked. What did we throw away that we need to get? I think sometimes we've substituted power for our, uh, you know, for, for politics. I think we've substituted the power of God and the move of the Holy Spirit for entertainment. I think it's time to go back to some of those old things because people are not seeking entertainment. They're seeking an encounter with the Holy Spirit. And I think even as I think about watching for our souls there's a lot of stuff we've never dealt with in our own psyche, our own minds, our own will, our own emotions, and our emotions can be a roller coaster ride. And I think sometimes, even as pastors and leaders, it's good to find somebody that you can confide in and talk to, even when you're struggling with some things. That's why I think it's really important that we have fathers in the faith and fathers in the gospel, that when we're even in a crisis of faith, we can have somewhere to turn and we can go. Because, you know, when I think about the salvation of our soul, I don't just think about, okay, when I get to heaven, my soul is saved. I think that the salvation of our soul is an ongoing renewing of our minds to the truth of God's Word and what's true of us in Christ and our identity in Him. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. When the Apostle Paul says that in, in Romans, he says, don't be conformed. To be conformed means you uh, superimpose a set of rules on somebody that's external. In other words, under law, you can be conformed. And under law, you can modify behavior. But under grace, you are transformed because transformed is the Greek word metamorphosis. It's something that comes from the inside out and I think the Woosh translation says it like this. So stop assuming an outward expression 
that does not come from within you, but change the outward expression to be fashioned after the real you, the inward you. And what happens is, is that we receive the end of our faith, which is the salvation of our soul, which is more than just a trip to heaven. It's being restored to your right mind, which is the mind of Christ, the right way of thinking about things. I have to say, I've had more peace in my life preaching the gospel of grace than I've ever had preaching anything. The peace, the security, the knowing. You know, I was on a conversation with a pastor yesterday that wants to do a, a, a podcast with me, and he said, well, can you tell me some stories of people whose lives have been impacted and transformed by the gospel of grace? I said, well, I could think even of, uh, of uh, somebody who helped me in writing some things at one time, and she said to me, she literally was, uh, at that time, she had cancer, and she was literally dying from cancer, ultimately passed away. But she said to me in one of the conversations I had with her before she passed away, she said, I want to thank you, because she said, even walking through this season where I I'm struggling with health in my body, I'm not letting my mind take me to the place that says, this is God punishing me for something, or I must have done something wrong, that this is the judgment of God that's on my life. She said, the peace of that alone is worth more than you can imagine to me. And I have to say that I grew up thinking about all the, every time I uh, thought, every time I turned around, I thought, well, the judgment of God's going to come on. Or if bad things happen to good people, I thought, well, they must have done something horrible somewhere that some of these things happened. And that's not the case at all. And I think we need to sometimes renew. See, one thing, I think we blame God for some things that he's not responsible for. You know, God receives our loved ones, but he does not take them. God does not come and take your child or take your husband or your wife. And in some of those things, even as we, and this probably uh, sounds a little bit, I don't know, legalistic. I don't mean it to sound legalistic, but I think even sometimes we leave this earth too soon because we don't steward not only our spirit and soul, but we don't steward our bodies. You know, one of the things that I've done over the last year, if you watch the program, is I've lost a significant amount of weight in last uh uh, checkup I had, my numbers were perfect, and I think stewardship of our bodies is important. I, I, I think sometimes in the church world especially, uh, we have addictions, and some of them may not be cocaine, but it might be eating disorders, and some of them come because of something that may be wrong in our soul because we connect. Again, this I'm talking about receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your soul. Jesus said, you know what? If you are, will walk with me, work with me, see how I do it, you will recover your life, and I'll teach you the unforced rhythm of grace. And I, I believe that we can live long because the Scripture tells us that, that wisdom and understanding are tree of life, that length of days is in her own right hand. You can lengthen your days by becoming spiritually strong, mentally strong, and physically strong. I'm not trying to put anything heavy on people because, you know, until I really began to find some things that helped, I struggled for years with it. And I'm not trying to, you know, it's, I'm almost reluctant to even say anything about it because, you, you know, it is a struggle and the struggle is real. But I think sometimes there are triggers in our lives that sometimes even with our eating disorders, we turn to something uh, like we turn to a sugar addiction or we have a certain kinds of food addiction because there are some things we need to address 
in our thinking. But I believe that the fruit of the Spirit is even, is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Go figure, is self-control. And, uh, you know, uh, I think what, is, what has happened is even in our diet at times in the American, especially Americans, is that, you know, we, we, we can look at someone who's addicted to cocaine or some other thing and look at that in with disdain. But what we've done is created socially acceptable addictions, and sometimes they can be food addictions. And I'm not, just, I'm not just singling that out. I'm telling you that there are all kinds of struggles that people have, no, including me. And so, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that, that uh, you know, my son Jason said to me uh, during the time of uh, weight loss one time, he said to me, Dad, I think one of the things you need to think differently about is that you grew up thinking, I can't waste that food because that was what was always told to us. So you eat the last two pieces of chicken so you don't waste it, but you don't really realize you're killing yourself by doing that. When you could put that chicken in a box and save it and eat it later, you still didn't, you know, you still didn't, uh, you know, uh, waste it. And I thought, well, go figure that. And then I think sometimes that triggers for me were growing up in a poverty poor home where we didn't have a lot of food. So to me, food was reward. All of those things, I don't want to get on food here today, but all of those things, I think, you say, well, that's not spiritual. I think it is because I think way too many people are leaving us way too soon because we don't steward our spirit, our soul, and our body. And I believe the gospel will take us back to a foundation where we can look to Jesus because I've had to even ask the Holy Spirit for strength and help even concerning those things and addressing issues in my spirit, my soul, and my body because whether you know it or not, even men and women of God go through things and we're still a work in process as well, uh, working out our salvation with fear and trembling before God. Now, I, I, the grace of God is on us. God's not condemning you if you don't. I mean, it's not. there's no condemnation. It's not about guilt. I think sometimes guilt and condemnation can be triggers to addiction. And so even some of that, I think, frees us up to be able to, to move on and, 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 and turn and look for help even from Christ, who is our foundation. But I believe that we need to go back, like I said, and grab some things from the foundation. Let me read a few scriptures here about the foundation. Ephesians 2, verse 19 through 22 says, Now therefore you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints of the household of God. And you're built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being corner, chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. This is one of the things that I believe is speaking of even in the book of Revelation, is the city that is restored has the names of the twelve apostles. When we put the cornerstone and the centerpiece of our lives is Jesus Christ, and we set the corner. Anybody who's a builder knows you've got to find the cornerstone and get it laid right. And if you don't build from that foundation, you're going to be way off somewhere out as you get out any distance away from the cornerstone. 2 Timothy 2, verse 19 through 22 says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are His. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. 
But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some of, to honor and some to dishonor. And if any man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. I think this old gate speaks to me of the fact that we, we, we must not move away from the, the, the truth that the Word of God asks us through the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of grace to depart from iniquity. I think that's still an ongoing thing that we need to look at in the old gate. And I think that we, you know, I think that there's been this season where it seems like almost anything goes when he's, Paul is talking to Timothy as he's developing him for leadership. And he's saying, listen, there's all kinds of vessels in the house. You've got vessels that are honored, some to dishonor. Some are wood, some are earth. But you've got vessels that are to honor and if you want to be a vessel of honor, you need to purge yourself from these things and put away from yourself these things, iniquity, and purge yourself from youthful lusts and, and follow after righteousness and faith and peace with them that call on the name of the Lord. I think those are things that are foundational. And then he goes on to say here in uh, Hebrews 6, therefore leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance, of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. He goes on to say, and this we will do if God permit. And so he's talking about building on the foundation. And he's talking about, you know, uh, let me see if I can come over here and get the, the whole text from Hebrews 6, 1 in just a moment, because I think that even historically we can see Many of these truths have been restored back to the church from the time of Luther. Uh, you know, and so he says, therefore, let me let me pull this up in the King James. Well, this this one's all right, the new King James. Therefore, leaving the the the, the principles or the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let's go into perfection. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. I think repentance from dead works is what would probably be one of the greatest altar calls we ever had because one of the things the church needs to repent of is trying to access the grace of God through the works of the flesh and human effort through the law. When he's talking this in Hebrews 6, he's talking about the transition out of law and old covenant into the grace of God, and he's talking about the first thing that needs to be laid is the foundation and repentance and dead works and faith toward God. Luther restored that when he stood up and said, the just will live by faith. And then he gets into the doctrines of baptism. The next thing that followed the movement of Luther with the doctrine of uh, restoration or faith and faith alone in Jesus was the movement called the Anabaptist. And baptism and water baptism and baptism of the Holy Ghost was restored. And the turn of the century, the laying on of hands was restored by uh, the uh, latter rain movement. And they begin to restore the idea that we still in this day need apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Uh, we begin to understand uh, the resurrection of the dead. And I believe that we're in a season even where the last one on this is eternal judgment. And there's a great discussion that's going on right now among many scholars concerning eternal judgment. Don't think that's odd that it's at the last because it's the last one that is restored. Now, I believe all those things found their restoration in the first 
century, but what he's showing you is a roadmap again to the Reformation that I believe we are in today. And I believe as we start to again re-emphasize, and one of the things that we're seeing is a re-emphasis on the foundation, which is Jesus Christ, faith towards God, baptisms, and then he tells us we go on to perfection. But in this place, perfection, the word perfection here, is not a verb, it's a noun. It's a state of being. That perfection you find in Hebrews 10 is based on the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, for He hath perfected forever them that are sanctified, and we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So our sanctification is not based on our performance or dead works. Our sanctification is based, and our perfection is based on the person and work of Jesus Christ and upon the sacrifice of Jesus. For He hath sanctified forever them on the basis of the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And He goes on to say in that Hebrews chapter 10, He has perfected forever them that are sanctified. So we, we start in a state of perfection in Christ. And so uh, we, we work from that salvation. These, to me, are foundational principles that speak of the old gate that is being restored. A looking at the foundations, a returning to what the original intention of the apostles and prophets were. I believe even the gospel that Peter wrote, not the gospel, but the epistle that Peter wrote, where he talked about restoring a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, was restoring the priesthood of the believer. It was a return to God's original intention when he brought Israel out of Egypt. He said, I'm going to make them a kingdom of priests. And their purpose would be to touch the nations of the earth, would be blessed through that seed of Abraham. God's desire is still to bless the nations of the earth through the seed of Abraham, but the seed of Abraham is Christ. And if you be Christ, then you're Abraham's seed, and your heirs according to the promise, and you're part of a chosen generation and a royal priesthood, a holy nation that serves bread and wine after the order of Melchizedek. So we're looking back at the old gate to restore the things that need to be restored. We're discarding the things that need to be cast away, and we're looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, because when the rain comes and the floods descend and the storms come, a house that's built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ will not shake. Ah, we're out of time. I trust you've enjoyed this series on the old gate. If you would like to become a partner with our ministry or sow a one-time seed into the ministry, we certainly would welcome that, and we do need your help. Without you, it's impossible. The easiest way to do it is to go to my website, and there is a place where you can give via credit card or PayPal. There you, you go through a PayPal gateway, but you can give your credit card or your debit card. You can even set up a monthly debit if you'd like to become a monthly partner. We really ask you to consider doing that. You can send a check or money order to the address that will come up on the screen, or you can call the number that will come up on the screen, and someone will take your call. If you do not get an answer when you call the office line, please leave a message, and we will call you back. If you don't leave a message, we won't call you back. But if you leave a message, we have a limited team and a limited amount of people who can answer phones. But do that today, and we will appreciate it. God bless you. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.